and welcome back to Spine Chillers and Serial Killers. I'm Becky. I'm Tash. And I'm Emma. Hello. 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 Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted nice. to try something different, but it just was horrible. You sounded like, I'm drawing a blank. Gollum. Gollum. Yeah, she sounded like Gollum. Yeah. No, that wasn't Gollum. That was Sir Flem a lot. Very Flemmy that was. I can imagine you like bending your wrist as you did that. <laughs> That's exactly what I did. <laughs> <laughs> Nasty hobbits. Call <laughs> <laughs> <Golem. laughs> That was horrible. Please don't put that in. Does that ever. hurt your throat? <laughs> No, it didn't actually. It just cleared it really, really well. That's what I'm oh, going to have to nice. do at work and be like, oh, excuse me for a second. <coughs> <laughs> right, yeah. then that will be twenty-seven ninety-four per month. <laughs> that's why. That's my phone voice. <laughs> <laughs> no, it isn't. <laughs> I might have to keep in the golem part. Not going to lie. Okay, it's fine. It didn't last too long. Okay. Anyway, moving away. Are you ladies okay? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Good, good, good. I'm okay. I've got over my cringe from... The handshake. The handshake that went wrong. And I'm sure some of, some of the listeners can will agree with me with this story. And uh, I wonder if it's happened to other people. Other people must have had weird handshakes that have gone wrong and then died. No? Oh, yes. Oh, I think that's probably happened to everybody. Yeah. Well, all, all it was was... Um, at work, one of our inspectors came in. He came in, shook my hand when he got there. That's fine. I haven't done a handshake in a while, so I was a bit nervous, but it it went okay, you know? Yeah. Put a bit of deodorant on afterwards. <laughs> it was all okay. It went fine. And then he was here for the day, and it was time for him to leave. And I thought we were just going to do the same thing as what we did earlier that day went in for the handshake and he went in for a fist bump and then we kind of did that awkward oh what you doing let's flip round and I tried to do a fist bump then he tried to do a handshake and then we settled on the handshake but it was just like I could feel the the room was spinning it was setting on fire we were descending into hell it was horrible <laughs> what was his reaction I don't know whether he thought the same and was like oh that was cringe but thinking it came from him well, it absolutely came from him. Absolutely, I'm putting blame on him. A fist bump? How old is he? He must be well, about my uh, mid-30s, I suppose. Like, I'm not against a fist bump, but in the work, I don't know. Like, oh, well, since COVID, a lot of them do fist bumps now. Instead of shaking? Yeah, that's a COVID thing that happened. We all stopped kissing each other. Doing the squiz, squiz. Little yeah. elbow bump as well. I've seen that done a few times. Really? Yeah, little elbow yeah. bump. So do, do people like, you know, faire la bise anymore? Do they do that? Not as much. It's, it's not come back as quickly as what I thought it would because everyone did that, the Euro kiss all the time. Ugh, I hate the Euro kiss. I hate it You kind of so have to much. ask people now. You have to say, are we kissing? <laughs> On really? Like, I don't and ask then, people. And then I'm just like, like oh, yeah. don't, don't, don't come near me and touch my face. I don't want your face on my face. Thank you. I sure you don't want my rough face on your rough, on your face. Why have you got a rough face? Like some, a lot of the people that 
insist on doing lebbies are the ones that have got stubble. Oh, I thought you were saying you had stubble. I was like, Ooh. no, not no, not 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 yet. Not yet. I'm sure it'll come with time. Give it time. <laughs> I'm cracking on forty. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I'm getting a few whiskers. Oh my god! The other day, so I occasionally, especially if I'm going to like an event where I'm paying to get my makeup done. I will dermaplane, so I essentially shave the whole of my face to get all of the oh, fucking like, love peach that. fuzz it's off. so satisfying when you get that straight line of fuzz. Oh, it's so lovely to do. Love it. So I actually did this in November, or ju- well, for my, my cousin got married, so I did it for her wedding. And then the other day I'm sat in the car... And we all know the car is the best place to like pluck your eyebrows or like yeah, get check out anything yeah. on your face because the light is just elite. Yeah. Um, so I'm sat, I turn my face, there's a massive long hair on my cheek. Oh, I've had that before and you're like, ow, ow, have I not seen this? Like, It was so, so long. long. Yeah. And so like thick. And I was like... That is more than two months' growth of hair for a start. I think those grow overnight. They just kind of they must up. do because it was so long. How do? Because then you're like, how have I put my makeup on and not noticed this? Because it would have knotted. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it would have like caught on the on the blender. It thing. really would have. Yeah, I've had those before. They're weird. Would have so weird, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> do you want to know a secret yeah it's not actually a secret but it's something that you might well, it's not going to be now it's not going to be now no but it's something you might find astonishing in a world where yeah. eyebrows are so important i've never plucked my eyebrows what never but how do you not look like a bush i i've listen there's a lot wrong with me but i was born with perfect eyebrows you give i wouldn't know what to do if you gave me a pair of tweezers, I'd be like, I, what? No, I don't know what to do. I'm so jealous. My brow girl is no longer doing brows and I've tried to do it myself. And one side's overplucked and one side's underplucked. And now I'm panicking. Like, do I leave the underplucked side to catch up with the overplucked side? Like, what do I do? I mean, man, you're asking the wrong person. I don't know. Yeah, she has zero experience in this. She's just told us. <laughs> None. Well, and this is why I'm jealous, because it's so panicky. People, I've seen people stencil, put colours on their eyebrows, have little brushes. Why are we brushing our eyebrows? When was that a I thing? I brush my eyebrows every morning. Do you not even do that? No. Do they always lie perfectly? You know what I do? You know oh. when you put like your little finger and your big finger in your mouth? <laughs> I do you old man grew the, grew do you do that? No. <laughs> no, I don't do that. As you read in the morning paper. <laughs> in your armchair. <laughs> no, I don't do that. While I twiddle the whiskers on my chin. <laughs> Knot them together. <laughs> I feel like I'm missing out on an entire eyebrow industry. I, I, I just don't get it. I'll be honest, it's one of the biggest stresses in my life in the morning is trying to get my eyebrows to look like sisters at least and not two people that have never met. Oh, I always think they look nice. Right now, my eyebrows come from two different continents. 
Oh, bless your heart. You need a stencil. I've seen people stenciling. Oh, That's what God. you need. Maybe, yeah. I mean, I'm talking out my arse. I have no idea about eyebrow well, I don't deep. know what they need. You could just get a fringe and hide them, like me. Have you seen me with a fringe? It's not a good look. You guys enjoying this paranormal and murder podcast, <laughs> yeah? <laughs> I also, I actually... I came to France this weekend. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see Becky and Emma. But, Becky, do you remember our old secondary school? Yes. No, Becky's just forgotten, like, that entire section of her life. No, I do remember this part. (laughs) (laughs) So I was driving past it because I dropped my sister at the uh, gym where she does, like, badminton or whatever it is. And as I was driving past, I had a flashback memory of... You, me, and two other girls, one who was a French girl, one who was another British girl, we all got called into the office regarding our clothing. Do you remember this? When you mentioned that school, this was the story that popped into my head straight away. So she had previously, I believe, I I think this is how the story goes. This is how my memory uh, tells me it went. She called a whole female school assembly all the girls and an assembly was like a a mega occurrence that never happened oh never i think this is the only assembly i ever went to in that school she called all the girls into the canteen and told everyone how to dress appropriately in a school setting and then i believe she basically said if people did not start dressing correctly that she would make us wear one of her shirts her blouse her blouses (laughs) this woman had the the biggest triangular shaped boobs you've ever seen in your world she was like an upside down door wedge that's what she looked like like just all boob it was (laughs) she was a very strange shape And then, um, so she did this assembly, turned everyone out. And then I believe after the assembly, she made us four girls stay in her, come to her office, where she reiterated her points about clothing and what was appropriate. And basically told us all the next day, if we didn't come in dressing appropriately, that we... Would be sent home. Would be sent home. What were you wearing? Well, I don't think... I. I don't think it was that bad. I think we wore thongs that you would occasionally see above our trousers. It was that whole hipster and thong combo that was all about in 2003, 2004, 5. Everyone did that. Yeah, but it wasn't... um, If you wore uh, hipsters with the thongs, like if you sat down, that's it, your thong was out. It wasn't done on purpose. No, they should have made jeans that go up to your waist. And to this day, I'm like, just can somebody make some jeans that go up to your fucking waist, please? <laughs> yeah, we all look like muffins with our little muffin tops but because of our stupid jeans and the way that they were cut. Yeah, and then we had, well, not me, because I'm still waiting for my boobs to come in. But one day, Tash, don't lose hope. They're coming. <laughs> the other three girls, you had boobs, didn't you? Like, but compared to every other girl in the school... You'd actually hit puberty and you had breasts. Like, and so sometimes if you wear a t-shirt, 
you know, your bra's going to show through it or... Oh, that's ridiculous. It, you but can't... that, honestly, I mean... As that's, much as I'm with that... her on the thong thing, if you're walking about... I mean, everybody did it. We all did it. But... Yeah, I mean, looking yeah, back, enough. complete cringe. Why did I wear that? And why did I think that was like a thing but it was the fashion at the time yeah Yeah. everybody did it but at school fair enough but picking up on somebody's bra through a t-shirt come on she was so like i just i don't know anyway that was just the thought that popped into my head and it reminded me of that (laughs) and we had to write letters apologizing for our behavior and the way that we dressed i don't remember that part but that's that's a joke yeah do you remember that and i um i wrote a letter because i was thought I was awesome. I wrote like a shitty letter saying, I don't think that you should basically tell me what to do. And the lady that helped me with French, she was like, we can't translate this, Becky. We can't give this to the headmistress. You need to do this again. So then I wrote a a one out saying, I'm sorry, I'd never do that again. A nun would not blush in my presence anymore. Yeah, it was, uh, those were the days. Anyway, it just reminded me of that. And I just wanted to share with the people. Yeah. Good shit. I can actually follow up with a really cringy, almost true crimey story. Oh, good segue. Yeah, a little segue about me getting called into the headmaster's office. So obviously, completely different school. We didn't go to school together and I'm older than Becky and Tash, so we wouldn't have been there at the same time anyway. I got called in for the complete opposite reason (laughs) by a man. What, you overdressed? (laughs) (laughs) you are dressed too much (laughs) no i wasn't dressed feminine enough what because at the time i was wearing ripped jeans i had band t-shirts metallica nirvana i had leather jacket i had hair i I did have hair (laughs) still do now (laughs) but my hair i'd painted everybody in my class went through this kind of phase where we paint you know you remember we had to write with fountain pens and you got the little ink cartridges that you slotted in yeah so i'd get all these different colored inks blue greens and whatever and i'd paint my hair so like the tips of my hair were all red and green and blue and stuff like that it came out as soon as you washed your hair but yeah i got called in because my attire was not uh acceptable for a young lady and, you know, I needed to be more feminine, which is completely gross. Well, right? what annoys me about both of our situations, or all of our situations, is that there's no school uniform policy. So you're either going to tell people what to wear and put a uniform on them, or you don't have a right to tell people what to wear, in my opinion. To an extent. I'm kind of with your headmistress about thongs poking out. I hope it doesn't, but that'll probably eventually come back into fashion. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do agree in a way with the knickers, but she definitely penalised us because we were English. This this time, it was just me. I was all on my own. That's so wrong. And I think, A, it's gross telling me that I'm not dressing feminine enough. I was dressing the way I was dressing. I was covered. Yeah. You know, I didn't have a thong poking out or anything like that. But it wasn't ladylike enough. But it gets grosser because when you realise the rest of the story... So this guy had come from... What's Ile de la Réunion in English? The Reunion, I think Reunion it's just Islands. called. Yeah. So the Reunion Island. And he turned up with his so-called nephew. And he was headmaster of our school. 
okay, fair enough. His nephew was well weird and kind of hung out with us, which was odd because he was like in his 20s. And he organised a trip, a school trip to the reunion. Right. I was not going because it involved getting on a plane. So I was like, no, thank you. Yeah. Loads of my friends were going. And anyway, as this trip got closer and closer, a few of the teachers were like, well, we still don't know where we're staying or where we're going. And they started digging around. And as it turns out, right, this guy had organised for all these kids to go to the reunion with nothing, nowhere to stay, nowhere to go. And it turns out it was this huge child trafficking (gasps) scandal. (gasps) No. Yeah, yeah. And his nephew was not his nephew. It was his lover. And he just wanted to ship a load of French kids to be trafficked. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, my God. His lover that he had trafficked. No, I I don't know. I don't know more about that situation. But I do know that his so-called nephew was, in fact, his lover and was about 30 years younger than him, which is odd. But, you know, What happened then? Did they flee the country? Uh, Yeah, well, he got fired and I imagine he went to prison. Wow. It was all... Very hush-hush from the students, but it was quite a big thing at the time because, you know, this was like a week before my class left to the reunion and they were all going to get there and get trafficked. God, imagine... Yeah, but surely there was other teachers going with them. I think there were two other teachers, yeah, because not everybody could have afforded it because you had to pay, obviously, for your flights and everything. So there was a few of us that weren't going. Yeah. But yeah, how scary is that? So that same gross piece of shit who was headmaster of my school was telling me I wasn't feminine enough. And he wouldn't be able to sell you. Yeah, he'd be like, oh no. But yeah, basically. Yeah, you need to be more feminine so that I can sell you easier. And it gets worse, right? In France, it's called a kermesse, which is like a big school fate. Yeah. And he got some of his friends from the reunion to come and play music from the reunion that was all based well you know his culture yeah so they they were playing and they were fit as fuck don't get me wrong but again these guys that were playing were all probably in their 20s at this time we're like 13 14 yeah right? yeah every single person in that band got off with a girl at school oh my god me too i'm i'm, I'm ashamed to say me too. Yeah, but as like a 14-year-old girl, you're like, oh yeah, they fancy me. Oh, and he oh, was yeah. hot. I, I I got the hottest one, obviously. Obviously, with all your <laughs> feminine dress. <laughs> yeah. But when I think about it now, it's like, Ugh. Yeah, absolutely. But it's for them to put the boundary there. They're the adult, not you. And I got a bollocking for that. I got called into his office again after that. And he was like, were you snogging this band member? And I was like, well, yeah, I was. And he was like, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. Giving me a bollocking. I'm like, dude, I'm 14. Yeah, maybe tell the adult off there, you piece of whole shit. Yeah, I think it came out later that this guy was actually married and everything. Oh, this is so weird. How did we not know this? I don't know. It's weird, isn't it? We talk about stuff and they're like, oh, yeah, actually, this really horrible thing happened to me. (laughs) I was nearly trafficked (laughs) once. (laughs) To be fair, 
I wasn't because I was never going. Yeah, but could have like kidnapped you and be like, hey, get on this Did plane. the other parents get their money back as well? I don't know. I don't know all the ins and outs. It was a long time ago. That's ridiculous. Scary shit, eh? Yeah. And he was a headmaster. That doesn't say anything because our headmaster of my primary school in the UK got done for, is it embezzling money? He stole money from from the school with uh, like someone there. But I'm not really sure because some people said that they kind of did it in a way that they put it into a different account so that they could get more money for the school but then got caught doing it. So anyway, they still put it in an account that they shouldn't have done, which meant they stole the money. Uh, Last I heard, he was living on the streets. Oh. Yeah, I think he went to prison for a while, managed to avoid the big sentence, and uh, yeah, that was it. Wow. He was on the streets. Well, sad. Jesus, school, eh? Yeah, headmasters (laughs) doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean fuck all. No. Anyway, shall we crack on? Yeah. <laughs> Crack on we shall. Sorry, I've, I've, that's killed the mood. I tell that story quite nonchalantly because it was like not that big of a deal. Yeah, when stories are your own, you've got over that trauma. But it was quite fucking horrific, actually, when I, I mean, think of it's it. It's shocking. <laughs> I'm shocked. I don't really know what to say. I'm, I'm just thinking my friend wouldn't, wouldn't be here. <laughs> Well, no, I wasn't getting on that plane, but I don't know why that 25-year-old was interested with me. And I still remember it to this day. I was sat on a grass bank watching the band and they had a break and he came over and he sat and he put his arm around me and he said, will you be my girlfriend for the day? (laughs) I think you were like, my way. Oh, yes. I don't know why you became Southern American. And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure, no problem. But mainly to piss off this other girl that I didn't really like, who I knew I'd overheard her say, oh, God, he's fit. And I was like, (laughs) show you. But isn't that weird that they would just be like, will you be my girlfriend for the day? Very strange. Also terrible kisser. That guy was trying to swallow my face. Oh, really? My entire face. Oh. It was weird. Did I tell you about the first time I ever kissed a French guy? Did he have amethyst lips? No, it was like a washing machine in my mouth and I felt his tongue along my teeth. Oh, no. My molars. He brushed his tongue against my molars. Oh. It was horrible. My eyes widened and I was shocked. (laughs) And it put me off kissing French blokes for a while. Yeah. It really, really upset me. I was like, that was horrible. He, like, violated my mouth. I just find kissing very distressing in general because... Oh, I love kissing. No, right. I I enjoy a good kiss. But as we all know, I've been on a lot of dates and uh, <laughs> lucky for you all, I do kiss and tell. And <laughs> I... Um, I have obviously kissed, like, at least three of those people I've been on dates with. At least three, eh? Yeah. I'm going to say, yeah. what, three? Three. <laughs> Just three. All right, we'll, we'll take that. Go on. Yeah, every time I kiss somebody and they are a poor kisser, it genuinely leaves me questioning whether I know how to kiss or not. Like, am I the one doing it wrong? I don't think so. <laughs> I know what you mean. I know, I know what, you, what mean. you mean. Do you know what I mean? When they're so when when somebody's so bad at something and you're doing it with them, you're like, yeah. am I the issue? Is it am I the problem? 
No, no. absolutely. That 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 the answer to, to that question is always no. No. Okay. Always no. Information I needed. I think some people were just not in sync with either. Because I've I remember having a brief fling with someone, and every time we were just out of sync. And I'm yeah. like, this is too stressful. And then every day I'd be like, oh, that was horrible. So just just didn't just came to an end. I mean, I've had sex with people like that as well. On the rhythm can't get going. Yeah, <laughs> like, you're you just doing? like, why do you keep changing? Keep yeah. the tempo. You're literally like, I don't know what's happening here. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, God. Do you know, for every man listening to this podcast, can we just say... Keep the fucking tempo. Yeah. <laughs> when we say don't stop, don't fucking stop. <laughs> what is it with that? I'm don't try and put my uh, my leg like right behind my head. I'm past thirty now. I can't be asked with that anymore. <laughs> Thank you. But not all like kind of work up to it. Don't just be like a snap because one day we will be in hospital. <laughs> <sighs> I genuinely don't understand when you're like, oh, don't stop. That feels nice. And then they change what they're doing. That's and you're really like, annoying. what did I just fucking say? Excuse yeah. me. Yeah. You need a little tape recorder. Tape your little what you just said and be like, did you hear what I just said? <laughs> Let me rewind. <laughs> I'll be honest, though. This is part of the reason I'm on a little bit of a dating setback. I just can't be asked with shit sex. <laughs> Shall we get on with our stories? Yeah. Yeah, probably. I've got a few shout outs. Okay. Uh, Nicole got Crimea River right and she got the right answer into me one hour before that episode with the answer was published. So she's good. She got it right. Nicole. Well done. Stacey got me the answer, but the episode was already out, Stacey. So you were too late. So I'm afraid. Crimea River. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's that's exactly what i said cry me a river so yeah nicole's now in the lead go on nicole and i also just wanted to shout out one of our listeners called john who messages us quite often on oh, facebook and hi, john he really enjoys the podcast and he he's he's catching up so he won't hear this for a few weeks oh it'll be a nice surprise if he does surprise but no he really enjoys it and he says we make him laugh and we keep him company during his job so i just wanted to give him a shout out hello john hey 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 and he said when i said force nick instead of forensic it was hilarious he's not wrong it was fucking hilarious and thank you for reminding (laughs) us of that john (laughs) i might bring out that word a few times now again tash I'm guessing because you've been away, there's no Tinder with Tash. There's no real Tinder with Tash this week. We've kind of covered it. It's fine. We've, you know, child abduction and all sorts. There was all sorts in there. Yeah, shook it up this time. (laughs) Make of that what you will. (laughs) (laughs) Whiskers and paedophiles. Yeah, knotted facial hair. (laughs) (sighs) Right, Becky. Has there been a murder? I can't do it. Murder? There has been a murder. murder? I can't do it. Murder. Murder. That was good. Oh, thanks, Tash. Welcome. It's a French murder, so we can say murder. Ah, le murder. <laughs> <laughs> There's been a croissant murder. 
Right. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with us? Seriously. Yeah, I've put literally no sources on this. I will have to go back and find all of them and send them to you later on. Okay. This one, I don't know if you would have heard uh, of this one before, but is one of the more famous French serial killers, and he is called... Oh, have you brought me a cup of tea? Oh, thank you, asshole. Oh, what is that? <laughs> have you put the milk in too quickly? Did she say thank you, asshole? <laughs> Did she say thank you, asshole? And then oh, you have to keep this in. This is this is hilarious. He's made me a cup of tea. It looks like he has threatened the cup with a tea bag because this is milk. This is watery milk. Did you call him an arsehole? Did I call him an arsehole? That just comes out automatically. I think you said thank you, arsehole. <laughs> and then... And then the the sound of outrage that came out of your mouth when you were like, oh, what's this? Oh, God. Oh, oh, bless him. He made me a cup of tea and then I've just literally shat on it. (laughs) Yeah, literally. Oh, what a horrible wife. No, I've just mixed it a little bit, so it's kind of saved it, but he's... um... Just drink your warm milk and tell us about this murder. Yeah. Le Merdeur. I'll put it on the floor and hopefully it'll brew a little bit more. He's put the milk in too quickly. Anyone that has British wives, you don't put the milk in that goddamn fast. Right, so this guy is called Guy George. And I don't know what Guy to Guy think George. about that name. Guy George. Because it reminds me of the mix between... Guy Fawkes and Boy George? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one that sees it. I wonder if one day, like, we're just going to become one entity. I think mm. if we ever die in the same house, we're just going to be a one blob ghost mixed together. Like three-headed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the blob ghost of France. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah. Guy George, I think I've heard of him. Yeah. Is he the guy that killed someone? That's the one. Ah, see? See? Ah. <gasps> oh my God, who would have thought it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you just said, but it was funny. <laughs> are you? Are someone laughing with liquid on in their mouth? Is someone trying not to spit tea everywhere? Is that what you were doing there, Anna? Yeah. yeah. I heard... <laughs> <laughs> oh i've texted my husband thank you thanking him for the uh shittest cup of tea in the world (laughs) thank you arsehole i love him anyway (laughs) all right so back to our story so guy george was born guy rompillon on the 15th of the 10th 1962 to a french mother and uh, an african-american soldier called George Cartwright, and he was stationed at the NATO base. He was a cook in the army. Guy's mother, Hélène Rompillon, was a barmaid, and she worked at a bar next to the army camp. And Helen had already had a son named Stéphane, who was fathered by a white US serviceman. And Stéphane was raised by his grandparents on his mother's side, 
but only Stefan was raised by her parents. They refused to raise Guy because he was mixed race. They didn't want to take Guy in because of their own racism and the fact that they would be embarrassed to take him out in their hometown of Angers. They either pretended that Guy didn't exist at all or that they had one grandchild and then one dirty child that their daughter had. Wow. They sound like horrific, fucking horrible pieces of shit. Horrible people. So straight away, Guy is treated awfully by his family. By his grandparents. So why why is Stefan with his grandparents? Why couldn't... Because he's white and not brown. Yeah, but why can't Helen keep him? Oh, you'll see. Helen, Helen you know, she likes the whole... Uh, baby making but it's not the baby keeping car <laughs> ah yeah so it's a bit of an inconvenience <laughs> yeah guy's mother wasn't really bothered about being a mother or a decent person in general so she kept putting guy into the foster system where he was allegedly physically and sexually abused fucking oh, hell after six years so this is his first like six years of life after six years of moving between foster homes and his mother's care, so he was with his mum, and then whenever his mother got a boyfriend that didn't like the fact that she had a brown son, he went back into care. Yeah. That's what Guy's working with at the minute. After six years, Guy became a ward of the state and was placed with the Morin, the, well, I'll call it Morin, the Morin family. He was, like, permanently taken off his mother. Okay. A little bit of stability? Yeah. Maybe they're going to be nice people? Yeah. So he was put into like a long-term foster house. The Morins had previously cared for another mixed-race child who was taken back to his family eventually, which is good. Guy was... They, they say this in a lot of the reports that I saw. They put in quotes, the replacement black child. And then other ones they say is the replacement child. It's one of those houses where they have a certain number of foster children at once. And some of the reports we're trying to make it is, is they, they want to have a black child with them all the time. And other ones were making it out that they just want a certain number of children with them all the time. So I don't really know which angle they were trying to go for here. But they wanted to keep as many kids in their house as possible because then it keeps them out of the, of the group homes. Yeah. So the Morins had seven biological children Oof, and 13 gosh. foster children. Jesus, 20 kids. Yeah, but not all at home. Was. They had seven biological children. Not all of them lived at home. Most of them had already moved on. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, 13 foster children. There's a lot of children. Yep. A little child farm there. In 1968, Guy's surname was changed to Georges. I don't know why. Is it not because his dad was called George? That's what I thought. Okay. The minute that he was placed with the Marines, Helen, so his mother, moved to California with her older son, where she went, into, went to marry another American serviceman. She likes a guy in uniform. She, she loves the <laughs> Americans. And then also, that's where Stefan's dad lived. But, you know, she just kind of forgot about her other child. Yeah. Round of applause for the mother of the year there. No, she's shit. She can fuck off. Yeah. And so can her mum and dad. You're right. They can fuck off as well. Hate and that is bred into people. It's, uh, it's learned. It's learned behaviour. Oh, yeah. And she's obviously a horrible person because her parents are fucking awful. So that, and I just think she's a bit of a twat. Yep. Real thunder twunt. 
Yeah. Yeah. I didn't say the word, so you don't have to beep it out. No, no, it was good. <laughs> I liked it. Thunder twunt. Good one. Yep. The Marin family said that Guy was finally learning what happiness is mm. and what it could mean with them. Obviously, it's a household that's pretty crazy. A lot of children are there all the time. There's obviously has to be a bit of structure in the household so that everyone gets fed, everyone gets cleaned and everything ready to go to school. Yeah, growing up with them, he was a pretty good kid. No problems with him apart from he'd steal food, which is pretty common with children that have been in the system for a long time. It's just something to do with control. The fact that, you know, the, he might have been in homes where food wasn't read, readily available all the time. He never knew when his next meal was coming. Yeah. And it was, I couldn't find many reports where it was confirmed, but there was lots of speculation that he was abused at some point while he was in the group homes. He um, began like, there's like a little forest area near his home. So he'd go there and like, with like a little knife and pretend to be like a hunter-gatherer and everything. It was like things that kids do. Yeah. He took on the nickname Joe after the character Injun Joe from the adventures of Tom Sawyer. At the age of 14, he was placed in a professional class. So, you know, like in France that you have your secondary school, which is... I don't know what it is in America. It's not high school. It's the one under high school, I think. That's senior school. You normally at that school until you're about 15 or 16. Whereas before, I'm not sure if you can still do it now, before, at the age of 14, you could go to a different type of school where it's a professional school. So you mm -hmm. start learning the trade straight away. Usually for mechanics, builders, stuff like that. You mm -hmm. could go to uh, Ecole Professionnelle. Yeah. So he went into one of those and started to learn a trade. He started working with a builder, and that's when the Marin family described his, like, sudden turn in behaviour. He began to talk back to them, become violent, and it got worse and worse until one day he attempted to strangle his younger foster sister... Nice. ...called Rosalyn, who had severe learning disabilities. Oh, even better. Bit much, George. Yeah. No, Guy. Guy George. Yeah, yeah, Guy George. The family did their best to discipline Guy. They didn't report the incident, so they just tried to, you know, keep it in-house, punish him, I suppose, discipline him in the way that they should. But, you know, they cared about him. They weren't just going to be like, right, he's just done this one bad thing and we're getting rid of him now. Yeah. Until two years later when his older foster sister, Christiane said that George had attempted to sneak up behind her and strangle her with an iron bar. Gosh, that's intense, isn't it? Yeah. This was the last straw because it wasn't just that. He didn't stop doing stuff for two years. He was an asshole for... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was way more than the normal teenage wanker stage. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so the Marin family was no longer able to control Guy or protect their other children. So it wasn't just him. There were 12 others to uh, sort out. So, unfortunately, Guy was then sent to a state orphanage. Feeling neglected and pushed out by everyone. Did it to yourself, Guy George. Yeah, you did. He would go on to commit three assaults, one of which was very, very violent, all on young women. Sounding like a piece of shit. Yeah, which earned him a one-year sentence. 
which he was to serve in Angers prison. When he'd done his time and he left, he decided to head for Paris. So thanks to 20,000 francs that he stole from the safe of one of the halfway houses that was uh, hosting him while he got back on his feet. Nice. Yep. So he stole that money and ran off to Paris. So what, 2,000 francs is... What? 200 pounds. Yeah. No. 200. So when I was younger, I remember you had 100 francs and it was the equivalent to 10 pounds. Alexa. Yeah, so 2,000 then. How much is 2,000 francs in pounds? 2,000. No, it's 200. 261 pounds and 29 pence. <laughs> but you just said 100 francs is 10 pounds, so that doesn't yeah. make sense. Yes, it does. It'd be 100 francs is, t- is, is one pound. I've just asked Alexa, we don't need to argue. Alexa knows. Alexa knows all. <laughs> Thanks for clearing that up. No problem. Thanks, Alexa. <laughs> yeah, but that was that was an eighties two hundred pounds. So that's like three million in today's money. <laughs> yeah. So arriving in Paris in the early nineteen eighties, Guy George's crimes continued to escalate, and one night he attacks, rapes, and stabs a young girl oh who fortunately God. survives. But Guy didn't care because there was no way that the police could track that back to him. She didn't see his face. He would be right as the case would be closed for lack of evidence. Other rapes and attempted murders follow, like also mixed in with periods in prison for like other offences and for like attacking women mainly. Until the night where he raped and stabbed Pascal Nix, who managed to escape. And then Guy was finally caught and sentenced to 10 years in prison. Huzzah! Finally. But, as many of these stories always go, for some fucking reason... He got released. (laughs) Kind of. He gets transferred to a minimum security prison where they're allowed out. Oh, I can explain this because all he does is attacks, stabs and rapes women. Yeah. Actually... Why lock him up at all? Yeah. Do you know what? Yeah. If it wasn't the 80s and it was happening now, I would invite him round for a cup of tea. Give him a hat. Give him like... Give him a hat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. Give him a hat. Why not? <laughs> Why not? He deserves a hat. I was, was going to yeah. say house, but and then I changed to chateau. <laughs> yeah, you should give him a hat that says, I'm a rapist murderer. Please stay away from me. With a little flashy light. That would be helpful. That would be helpful. But also what would be helpful is to actually put them in a prison where they're not allowed out. That'd yeah, be also. For 10 years, like he's supposed to do. He's only raping and stabbing women, Becky, come on. Yeah, that's all. And it was, it was the 80s, so it was fine. Yep. But they had to be back for a certain time for prison curfew. Yeah, criminals are known for their punctuality. Absolutely, always on time. Yeah. And of course he just didn't he didn't go back to prison. No. Becky. They forgot that that was a thing that could happen and they were like, Who "Wait a minute. Thunk it? We've let out a lot of criminals." Shh. And then they they might actually decide not I'm to I'm not come shushing back. you. I'm shushing the cat. The cat's shouting at me. The cat is also annoyed that he's been let out. Who is it? Tinkerbell. Hello Tinkerbell. Hi Tinkerbell. 
Tinker Tinker Bell. I'm shushing Tinker Bell. I'm not shushing you. You're supposed to be doing a podcast. I know what to do to get Tinker Bell to go away is to go in for a handshake and then change it to a fist bump and then she'll get embarrassed <laughs> and go away. <laughs> so, yes. of course, he doesn't go back to prison. He Shocking. escapes and yep. travels back to Paris to hide out because Paris is big. Paris is big. So on the night of the 24th of January, 1991, Guy George would commit his first murder. <gasps> he was standing outside a cafe when he saw 19-year-old Pascal Escarfel walk by. He follows her to her address at 41 Rue de l'Ombre and enters the building with ease. Because the door, when she goes into like the ground floor apartment door, you know the big iron doors that just close really, really slowly? Yeah. So he just snuck up and just like stopped it from closing and followed her up to her apartment. As she was opening her door, he pushes her in her apartment and attacks her, rapes her, and stabs her three times in the throat. Oh my God. Pascal did fight back but couldn't overpower him. He enjoyed the murder so much that he longed to do it again. He would try again the following year, but he would fail, and he would be caught again by the police and arrested and taken back to prison. This is where the stupid part is. So, he was on the run for escaping prison. (laughs) Only now? (laughs) Yeah, only now. Now, this is another stupid part. There's many stupid parts. It gets very, very annoying. They put him back to prison and they're basically like, hey, you shouldn't have escaped last time. That was naughty. Naughty, naughty boy. And we're going to add on eight months to your prison sentence. That is stupid. If you escape from prison now, they'll be like, right, well, you're not getting out again. They'd put on loads, not eight months. Right, so altogether, with the rest of his sentence that he didn't carry out, plus the eight months, he should have served, like, another five to nearly six years left in prison, but he was released after a year and a half. A boo. Like we said earlier, he only rapes people, that's all. And he killed that one girl, but he didn't get put away for her murder. It was just the once. It was just the once. Yeah, but they didn't link him to that murder. I forgot to mention earlier, they didn't link him to the murder. They just picked him up because he'd attacked that girl, which is how they got back onto his trace and, and found him again. So it was for attacking that girl and for escaping prison last time. Not for the murder yet. After a year and a half, instead of like six years, because this guy can't stop raping people, just for, ah, well, he, he's learned his lesson now. Literally days after he was released in 1994, he starts attacking women. Over the next year and a half, he attacks seven women and violently kills four of them. Ugh. So his victims were Catherine Rocher, 27, Elsa Bernard, 22, Agnès Nishko, 33, and Hélène Frinkin, 28. So, four young women. Plus the one before, so that's five so far. So sad. These murders would earn him the nickname the Eastern Paris Killer, and the story caught on and became very, very publicised. But... Guy George would keep evading police because one of his victims that survived didn't get a good look at him, so she couldn't give a really good description for the police sketch. 
yeah, the sketch that they did was very generic and slowed down the investigation because when people called in with their tips, he just looked like everyone. Yeah, it was quite hard for them to sift through all of the tips that came in. He is called in as a suspect at one point, but one of his victims didn't recognise his photos in the, the list of photos that she had to check for suspects. So his photo was taken, but she didn't recognise him. A breakthrough in the cases happened when the investigators managed to find a footprint at one of the crime scenes, but the Bumbling police officers got the Greek foot and the Egyptian foot shape confused. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> I know I shouldn't laugh, but what idiots. I know, that's their job. Literally their job to know the difference between those foot shapes. Yeah, and if not, just say, hey, you're a doctor. <laughs> What's this? Just, yeah, get an encyclopedia out or something. You know what it is? They told him, and then they were like, I'll remember. I won't write this down. And then they were like, oh, shit, I forgot. Yeah, so they bumbled around with foot shapes, and uh, that also took him out of the list of su suspects because his feet were the wrong shape, but they weren't. They just wrote it down wrong. As he kept murdering, his nickname changed to... The Beast of Bastille. Oh, yeah. Guy would commit two more murders. He would murder Magali Sorotti, age 19, and Estelle Magd, age 25. By the end of 1997, the investigation takes a turn with the arrival of DNA. DNA. And then do people go, ooh, I think maybe we've popped up here, guys. <laughs> Oops. Blah. I think they must have said that a few times. The examining magistrate, Gilbert Thiel, decides to carry out a major DNA comparison campaign on a national scale. Guy George then leaves Paris temporarily. They start collecting the evidence that from all the crime scenes and they find that some of the, the DNA matches from the different crime scenes, but they still haven't found their guy. Many teams of police were then mobilised to arrest the killer by Martin Monteil, who is a new head of like this criminal squad in charge of trying to find him. They managed to whittle it down to be Guy George. This is why it was a little bit... A little bit... Um, <laughs> a little bit... A little bit... Yeah, a little bit blurry because i don't think they had his dna yet but yet they were really looking for him so i think it's because he was like actually i'm i'm out and left paris and because he was on the suspect list they were going through everyone on that list and when it got to guy he was noped out of paris so they were they then created a manhunt to try and find him to bring in him for dna they were really trying to find guy george because they um they needed his dna to confirm whether it was him or not Yet another blunder, because the press are assholes in all countries, the press went and released Guy George's name and, like, spoke about it on national telly oh, before wow. the police were able to arrest him. So they were like, hey, please have the new suspect, this is the guy, before they even managed to arrest him. So that really was a stupid thing to do. But luckily, they managed to arrest him. He didn't completely go on the run. But that could have been so bad. And why are the press such wankers? So he was finally arrested at 12.45pm on the 26th of March 1998 and taken to the La Santé prison. So I don't know where that is. Possibly Paris. 
So on the 26th of December 2000, a few weeks before his trial, Guy George tried to escape from the La Santé prison. That's not like him, is it? Nope. So in the company of two other prisoners, they managed to saw the bars off his cell, but they didn't manage to actually escape. They were um, found out before they managed to... What did they saw it off with? I don't know what with. The prison was like, no, he didn't try and escape. They kind of dismissed reports of him trying to escape. They tried to brush that under the carpet as well, but he didn't escape. No one escaped. During the trial in 2001, Guy was like, actually, you've got the wrong guys, everyone. It's, uh, I'm not your guy. I'm the wrong guy, Guy. (laughs) The police just want someone to blame, so they've planted my DNA everywhere. Yeah, that seems plausible. Yeah. I don't think the police would be clever enough to do that, to be fair. Apparently not, because they don't know what Egyptian feet are. (laughs) They've fucked up so much up to here. I don't think, yeah, they wouldn't have been able to suss that one out. Nice try, Guy. Yeah. As well, through the medical exams of the victims, they had established that the killer was left-handed. And Guy was like, yo... I'm right-handed, so it's not me. Did he say yo? <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, he probably said, oh, <laughs> I, I'm right-handed. It's not me. His excuse every time and his comeback was, actually, I'm right-handed. I'm not left-handed, so obviously it's not me. So, fuck you guys. Yeah, he was really, really indifferent and just be like, oh, I'm really sorry, everyone, about, you know, what happened to your family. But honestly, they have the wrong guy. It's not me. So until it came to a point, so they'd had the trial all week. It was going to end on Friday evening. And they were going to have a break over the weekend, start again on Monday. By the Friday afternoon, was getting a bit tired, a bit more relaxed and kind of disconnecting a little bit. And then one of the prosecutors came up to him and gave him the um, crime scene photos. And said, we're going to look through these crime scene photos. And he was really weird when he was looking through them. He was looking at every photo for up to five minutes, studying them. And to me, it was more like, I'm going to really remember this picture, like really trying to remember as much as possible. So he has that in his little mind bank. But he was like, oh, this is horrible, you know, and it's terrible. So yeah, they were getting these crime scene photos passed around. And as he was passing them around, he then had to pass them along to his lawyer and then they would go around to the jury afterwards. And then he'd like adjust his microphone, stuff like that. And the prosecutor said, well, this is weird because you keep saying that you're right-handed. But every time I give you photos and you pass them along, you take them with your left hand. And every time you adjust your microphone, you also do that with your left hand. Do you not think that's weird? It is weird, Guy. Explain that one. So weird. Maybe you've been caught out, you fucking wanker. Tossa. Before he said that, he was like, are you... Oh, is it ambidextrous? Ambidextrous. And he says, nope. I'm completely right-handed. And he was like, do nothing with your left hand. Absolutely nothing. Can't write with my left hand. Can't stab people with my left hand. Can't do that. Yeah, absolutely. No stabbing. Not, not favour that hand at all. I never, ever. And then he's just like, hey, well, why, why are you passing photos with that hand? Because I'm a fucking mm-hmm. liar. That's why. And then his face just completely changed. And the prosecutor doing this was a woman 
within his age range of victims. And he just sort of like started fist clenching, staring at her. And she said, if you were to stab someone, how would you stab them? And he got really angry and kind of stood up and said, I'd stab them like this with his right hand. And he like gestured a horrible, really violent stabbing, but really, he was really angry. And he was staring, his eyes had completely gone from this guy who was in the wrong place at the wrong time, they got the wrong guy, to all of a sudden we were seeing this killer side of him. His mask had fallen. Yeah. He was like, this is how I'd kill you. And he was like, and, you know, you can see that I'm not left-handed and sat back down. But we can see that you're a fucking psycho. (laughs) Yeah. As he sat back down, everyone kind of just sat there in silence for about a minute, which felt like hours, because everyone was really shocked with this. He was as cool as a cucumber until this point. So she was like, there'll be nothing more, Your Honour. Boom, sit down, wanker. He's, He's kind of told on himself here. Then his lawyer comes over, who's also a woman, and she said, uh, hey, uh, guy, you, you answered a little bit quick there. You wouldn't have hit or stabbed anyone with any of your hands, would you? And he stood up and screamed and pointed at the prosecutor and says, she is flipping everything I say around. She, and was like, went off at this prosecutor. And then he sat back down and then everyone was just in shock silence. His own lawyer, because of the whole emotional week she'd had with him, and actually started crying. He made his own defence lawyer cry. One of them, anyway, he had two. The next day, he ended up confessing to all of the murders that they had DNA for, because he'd kind of given up. I think he, he did take a plea bargain. Or he managed to change it around so he didn't get get as much time. He got sentenced to life in prison after admitting to the seven murders. But he only admitted to the crimes where there was DNA evidence. He would not admit to any of the crimes where the evidence was circumstantial. So there's still a lot of, of his crimes that haven't really got justice yet. Well, that's shit. But also not surprising, yeah. why would he? Yeah. He would be sentenced to life in prison with the minimum of 22 years, which is stupid because 22 years compared to seven lives and a lot of people attacked, raped, ruined. So, quick math lesson for both of you. Oh, God, I'm out. No, I'm out. I'll tell you what, I used to sleep in my math lessons, so I'm not the girl for you. Okay, Emma then. Go on, hit me. 2001 was trial. Yeah. Minimum of 22 years. Yeah. He's out this year. Possibly get out this year. Fucking hell. Yeah. Great. Well, I've had a look and they think it's going to be one of those things where he can ask to be let out, but he's not going to be let out. He better fucking not. Because I'm sorry, but this guy is a serial killer. He does not deserve to get out. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. Great. Did you really think that I wouldn't be able to add 22 plus 1? I really thought you did. That's why I asked you. So you'd have that moment of glory there. Not really. It's glory. (laughs) But there we are. That is the story of Guy George. Sorry, I felt like I was fumbling my way through that. But a lot of it was translated from French websites. So it kind of translated it in a really French way. (laughs) Yeah. So I tried to make it better. 
Well, thanks, Becky. Thanks for the fear of knowing that he might be released this year. That's something to look forward to. I'm really hoping that he's not. Yeah. Yeah. Right, you ready for my story? Actually, let's stick a trailer here. The definition of weird is suggesting something is supernatural or uncanny. While the definition of distraction is a thing that prevents someone from giving full attention to something else. Mix both of those words together, add a millennial with a mic, and you have Weird Distractions Podcast. Weird Distractions is a weekly true crime, paranormal, conspiracy theory podcast hosted by me, Alex. Each week, I tell you what I need a distraction from before diving into a topic to help me distract myself from, well, whatever is going on. My hope is that you too can get a distraction from tuning in and maybe learn something on the way. From haunted hospitals to cold cases and every bizarre online theory in between, there's a little something for every weirdo out there. If this sounds up your alley, then join me every Sunday on your favorite podcast platform or search Weird Distractions Podcast on any social media account. Need a distraction? I got you. Uh, okay, my story is, to your surprise, Skinwalker Ranch Part 2. Ooh. We left off last week with the family kind of forgetting that they had giant wolves, because... Listen, people forget things. And they were busy, they had shit to do, and the wolves just stopped turning up, so that was that done. Ellen loved the ranch. She loved its peacefulness, the silence... She loved the sky, absolutely bursting with stars. She would go on... Sorry, can I just interrupt? What year is this again? It's the 90s. And she's called Helen. Ellen. Ah. Okay, because I was thinking, Helen, the 90s, America. Could be Guy George's mother. No, it's Ellen. (laughs) Uh, Maybe it's Helen, though, and she just changed her name slightly to, like, cover her Ellen Gorman is a nice lady, okay? Okay, okay, she's not her. So she's loving the ranch, she's loving the silence, it's beautiful, the stars at night, there's no light pollution, and she'd go for long walks around the ranch at dusk, just admiring the beauty that surrounded her. On one of her walks, she felt something whoosh past her. She had no idea what it was, but it felt big. (laughs) Oi, oi. (laughs) I write this so innocently. She brushed it off and continued her walk, and it happened again. The whoosh of something flying very close to her head. It made her duck. Now getting scared, she decided to turn around and head home. She decided against saying anything to her family. This seems weird to me, because if anything weird happened to me, my husband would be the first to know. But this is also when she began losing random objects around the house. She would leave something on the counter, leave the room and find it gone. It would then show up later in a strange place. This would happen a few times a week. She suspected that maybe her kids were trying to prank her. That is, until one day, Tom came into the house shouting, Who's moved his post digger? Ellen said that neither her nor the kids had been outside, so it wasn't any of them. He apparently had just put it down to go get a tool from his truck and on his return it had vanished. Now, you have to know that a post digger weighs about 70 pounds, which is about 30 kilos. So not exactly the same way as, say, a spatula or a pan, the things that Ellen had been losing. The whole family went to look for it, but after half an hour, they gave up as the post digger was nowhere to be found. 
Two days later, it was his pliers that vanished. He'd left them on a post and just turned around, and when he turned back, they were gone. This time, he was livid. The whole family again went to help him look, but to no avail. It's then that Ellen said the same thing had been happening to her for weeks. At that point, they both knew something was really wrong at the ranch. Tom had now had his entire herd of cattle moved to the ranch and his nephew Dave had come to stay with the family for a few weeks. So Tom, Tad and Dave went out to check on the cattle one evening when Tom saw some car lights in the distance. He didn't like anyone trespassing on his property and this wasn't the first time he'd seen cars on his land so he thought he'd go and confront whoever was in the car. As the trio moved closer, the car inched slowly away. Tom didn't understand how they knew that they were coming because it was too dark to see them, but sure enough, every time Tom and the two boys got close to the car, it moved further away. Tom also thought it strange that he couldn't see the lights bouncing as it drove over the rough terrain, and that he couldn't hear any type of engine. Tom was getting more and more worried that the car was driving through his fences as he knew where they were and logically by now the car should have crossed at least a few. It was then on closer inspection that he saw the lights lift over the fences. The car was flying over them. He couldn't understand what was going on at all. Eventually the car got to some high tree lines Tom, thinking he'd get some answers now as the car was trapped, was totally shocked to see it float up and over the trees and vanish into the distance. The two boys looked at him, searching for an explanation, but of course he had none. The shape that they had taken for a car was rectangular and it had a white light in front and a red light at the back, just like a car. Dave's visit was surprisingly cut short. He'd been absolutely terrified by what he'd seen and his parents informed Tom and Ellen that he would never return to the ranch. A few nights later, Tom and Ellen were taking an evening stroll around the ranch when they both heard a strange metallic sound. It was like metal banging on metal, only it was coming from above them. They both stopped and looked up to try to figure out what it was when Ellen suddenly said to Tom to look over there. He did, and once more he saw the rectangular-shaped craft, white light in front and red at the back, like last time. They started approaching, but every time they got too close, it hovered a little further away, obviously watching them and not letting them get too close. Tom was furious. Just what the hell is going on on this ranch? Then the couple heard the metallic sound again behind them. They turned to try and see what it was, and when they turned round again, the weird vehicle had vanished. It was at this point that the Gormans began getting little snippets of rumours about their property being cursed. Little by little, they found out that the native Utes would never set foot on their ranch. But why? No one seemed to be able or willing to answer that for them. As you can guess, given the title of the story and the book I'm using as a reference, we're going to talk about skinwalkers. So what exactly is a skinwalker? In a word, it's a witch, but a seriously evil one. It's said that to be initiated into becoming a skinwalker, a witch must kill a sibling or a relative first. Oh, God. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Not all witches are skinwalkers, but all skinwalkers are witches. They mostly originate in Native American culture, each tribe having their own variations of the story, but all very similar. A skinwalker can change its appearance to any animal it likes. It can run extremely fast and jump ridiculously high. The Navajo skinwalkers are said to be able to use mind control on their victims, making them hurt themselves, or worse. But it's not just the Native Americans who have skinwalker stories. We have werewolves. Other cultures have were-tigers, there's were-leopards, were-jackals, and were-hyenas are also a thing in different... Hold on. Yep. Sorry. Are you calling them were? Yep. Are they not were? Werewolves. Werewolves? Werewolves. Is that not an accent? An, an accent? <laughs> an accent thing? Well, I don't know. Becky, what do you say? I don't know now. I can say both. I think I really. I think I say werewolf, but I've, I definitely have heard people say weir. I say werewolf. Okay. I think it's just an accent thing, Tash. I don't know. I've never in my life said werewolf. <laughs> I feel like you've got to say it how you've got to say it, babe. I'm so sorry for interjecting. But for the native tribes, these are not just legends. They're real and to be feared. This is why there isn't a ton of information around the skinwalkers as the Native Americans do not like to talk about them. Although the skinwalkers are said to only really attack native tribes, they have been known to pester other people who get too close to the reservations. A police officer was out in his cruiser one evening when he was horrified to see an animal-type thing attached to his passenger door peering in at him. Ooh. No thanks. As he was driving, it had a pale white face and looked terrified. It was me then. <laughs> it had a pale white face and it was eating chocolate. And looked terrifying. Then he realised it wasn't attached to his door at all. It was running alongside his car. <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> Keeping pace and looking at him all the while. Yeah. This happened again a few nights later. Shaken by the experience, he told one of his colleagues, who also admitted to seeing the pale-faced animal when he'd been patrolling too. Hate. It. Horrible. No, not fan. A family were caught off guard when driving through a Navajo reservation as a big humanoid-looking animal jumped out in front of their car. It was extremely hairy but wearing human clothes. They sped off in fright, but that night at home they heard a scuffle outside and they saw three human-shaped shadows trying to access their garden, but strangely unsuccessfully. When they couldn't gain access, they began to chant. Oh, there's a gate here. Oh, let's chant it away. Yeah, basically. They couldn't get over the fence. Yeah, I did enjoy the word scuffle. That's a good word. So the next day they went to talk to their neighbour, who was Navajo, and she said there were no doubt skinwalkers drawn to the family for its power, but that the family must have some protection that they couldn't get past, and so they gave up. Just to be on the safe side, the neighbour performed a Navajo blessing, and the family were never bothered again. Wow. Okay, so back to the ranch. Why would the Utes never set foot on the Gorman's land? Well... In the 1800s, the Utes and the Navajo fought side by side against a common enemy, 
Sadly, the alliance between the two tribes was short-lived and when the Utes became allies with the Spanish, they had no second thoughts about capturing Navajo and selling them into the slave trade. This is what is believed to have led the Navajo to have put a curse on the Utes, to be plagued by a skinwalker, and the Gorman property is known as the path of the skinwalker to the Utes. Not that it lives there, but it's the path it walks when it's up to mischief. No. So now the Gormans have at least an idea of why weird stuff was happening at the ranch, although they didn't know how to link the skinwalkers to the strange flying vehicles that they'd been seeing, and would see again many, many times. The next encounter was with Tom, who had now begun walking outside at night, watching the skies to see if he could see anything strange. And on this night he did. A large black triangular craft was flying about six metres off the ground. Aliens. Scare me. He noticed it had multicoloured lights that reflected on the snow. He hid to watch the craft that seemed to be searching for something. It was moving very slowly and then Tom shifted himself just slightly but the noise was heard by the craft that instantly turned its lights off and vanished. I thought you said Tom shit himself. <laughs> I knew you'd think that. <laughs> he shifted. Yeah. I would have shat myself, though, to be fair. To be fair, so, yeah. Well done, Tom. Ellen would too see this craft one night as she was staying alone at the ranch. As per usual, she drove up to the gate, got out to let herself in, and then closed the gate behind her. It was then that she became aware of the craft flying directly above her car. She could see its pointy wings on either side and the nose was in front of her windshield. She sped down the lane to the house and then watched as the craft carry on its flight over the house and off into the distance. Inside, she rang Tom in a panic. He reassured her and she got on with her own stuff, eating dinner, tidying up, etc. But when she started to wash up, she looked through the window to see the triangular craft on the ground, 100-ish metres away. She could see inside the vehicle. It was well lit up inside and she could make out a desk. And then to her horror, she saw a figure, a huge seven-foot figure walking around the inside, wearing a uniform and some type of a helmet. And then... To her absolute terror, the figure stopped what it was doing and stared right oh at my her. God. <sighs> she quickly closed the curtains and rang Tom again, begging yeah. him to come home, which Closing he did. Closing the curtains will do it. <laughs> yep. He drove all night and was home by morning. The couple set off to where Ellen had seen the craft and sure enough, they saw a huge footprint in the mud like no other footprints they had ever seen. It was at this point they began wondering about their safety and they forbade their kids from leaving the property at night. Then the Gormans began seeing the orange lights. Almost every night, just to the west of their property, they would see either round or flat elongated orange-coloured shapes. They were always in the same spot and they didn't move. Tom would go out and inspect them with his binoculars and on one occasion as he looked at the round orange thing he saw straight through it and saw blue sky on the other side. Now. Oh, like a portal. Yep. Wow. This is weird but what makes it weirder is that it was night time at the Gormans and he was looking at it like through a window 
into another world or another dimension wow. of some sort. I hate it. I'm so intrigued. So this happened multiple times, and a few times he even saw UFOs fly out of these orange shapes and fly away into the distance. He began to think that his ranch was indeed some sort of portal to another realm, but he couldn't understand why no one else was seeing these huge orange lights, until one night he was driving home and he vaguely saw one, but it just looked like an orange cloud. As he got closer and closer to his home, it became clearer. It was then he realised that depending on where you were, the orange windows were either visible or completely camouflaged, the sides only Mm. showing up as normal orange coloured sky. Uh But his ranch just happened to point straight towards the entrance of the lights. Right, that explains that. It does. Tom loved his family dearly, but coming up a close second was his cattle. He prided himself on his ranch and the care he provided for his prize-winning herd. He would be out at all times of the night looking after the newborn calves or searching for a missing cow. He took it extremely personally if he ever lost a cow. Other ranchers expected some loss in their herds. Tom thought that even 1% was unacceptable. During one particularly bad snowstorm, Tom was out herding up the cows when he noticed one was missing one of his best breeding cows. He went looking for her immediately. He spent hours in the heavy snowstorm, wading through 12 inches of snow looking for her. Eventually, the last place that was left to look was a dense area of trees. He saw the cow's footprints and he was really relieved. It would be easy to track her down now. But as he followed the tracks, he noticed that it looked like the cow had started running. And not just a leisurely trot, she had been running full speed through the trees and bushes. Cows are so funny when they run. Are they? They look like puppies. When puppies run, they kind of like jump up and down. (laughs) And then as Tom followed the tracks to a clearing, the tracks just stopped. Much like the wolf. The animal had just vanished into thin air. Tom tried desperately to find a logical explanation, but the only one he could come up with was insane. The cow had either been lifted into the air while she was running at full speed and weighing a thousand pounds, which seems impossible, or she had entered a doorway or a window, much like the ones Tom had seen in the sky, and it had closed behind her. Oh, poor baby. Either way, Tom never saw his cow again. Oh, no. Over the next few months, Tom would lose another four cows in exactly the same way. They would just vanish, never to be seen again. This was heartbreaking for him emotionally and financially, but things were only going to get worse for the Gorman cattle. Now, in 1995 and at the end of winter, the heavy rains had replaced the heavy snow. Tad was out trying to herd a young calf that had escaped from its enclosure. As he was trying to catch it, he heard the bellows of another cow and he saw a cow in the canal trying desperately to get out, but the wet mud was making it too difficult to climb out by herself. So Tad thought he'd catch the calf and then come back to help the cow. It took him about 20 minutes to get the calf back to its mother and for him to return. And when he did, the cow was laying there dead. Tad couldn't understand because the water was no way high enough for the cow to drown. So how had she died? He climbed down and what he saw made his blood run cold. 
the cow's entire bottom had been hollowed out and removed, like a circular instrument had cut into her and sucked out all of her organs without leaving a trace of blood. He shouted his dad, who was equally horrified. It was done with such meticulous precision in a rainstorm at that and not a drop of blood. As Tom dragged the cow's dead body out of the canal, he wondered how he was going to explain this to Ellen, who was already struggling with the almost nightly UFO sightings and the thing that she was now convinced lived in their house, watching her every move and waiting for her to leave the room to hide something in a weird place. Tom didn't want to add any more stress and fear onto his wife, but of course he was going to have to. He'd heard of cattle mutilations before, but he'd never believed any of it, and yet now he couldn't deny it. He'd seen it with his own eyes. And it's end of part two. Ooh. Those poor cows. I feel so sorry for them. Absolutely terrifying. It is. That, that is horrible. Like, it was fine, and then all of a sudden, boom, no more organs left. That's horrific. Yeah, like, completely hollowed out. No back end. And just gross as well. Yeah. Yeah. And is it necessary? Was that necessary? Well, I don't know. Obviously. Mm. What about the seven foot alien that's just casually walking around its spaceship and looking? No, I don't know how you'd. I don't know how. I just. It's this people just staying there and looking at this stuff. Like, how are we not leaving? I don't know. I think I could, you know, get over possibly seeing a ghost. But aliens would absolutely blow my mind. Well, it's just relentless as well, isn't it, for them? Like, it's it's one thing after another. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's almost every day. Yeah. How tiring. Yeah, and it's so random. It's either giant weird wolf or a ufo or poltergeist activity in the house or it's just weird yeah why is everything so big they can give like a cute baby wolf it's always these big things these big aliens big wolves cow munching so strange i hate it but i love it love this story but i hate it (laughs) because it makes me really uncomfortable (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of uncomfortable, shall we do your spooky song? Oh, yeah, we should totally do my spooky song. Are you ready? Yeah, we are ready. I'm just about to read it now. I know everything there is to know about you. About that girl you found and that you're married now. You couldn't see that your dreams had yet to come true. She can't give you everything that I could give to you. I had her here with me. She was being so shy. And now she's somewhere cold and far from the light. Now she's gone out of our lives uninvited. She couldn't stay away, so I had to end her. I had hoped you'd let me take my rightful place. And that you'd see that for me it isn't over. You will never find anyone like me. I'll do my very best anything for you don't reject me I beg you push me and I said my love will always last even after death do you know it I am gonna have to listen to that one again because I have no idea no idea no idea well 
Please write in your suggestions, people. Indeedy doody. Right. Shall we wrap it up? Yeah. Yes. Let's wrap it up. So you can send all your questions, your answers, anything you want to us over on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. They are all under SCSK underscore podcast. Or Facebook, which is just Spine Chillers and Serial Killers. We also have a YouTube channel called Spine Chillers and Serial Killers. If you want to check that out, please do. I think we've got nine subscribers. It's crazy over there. (laughs) I know. We could do with a few more on YouTube. Yeah. Or you can email Becky. Yeah, on chillers.killers.pod at gmail.com. Any of your stories and that that you would like us to read out on the podcast or just to reach out, say hi. Uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Indeed, we would. And if you enjoyed this episode, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review, a rating and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Yonk. God, that sounds so professional, doesn't it? Rate, review and subscribe. Yeah, I'm one of those people now. Yeah. Rate, review and subscribe. But actually, please do. That'd be awesome. It would it actually be really nice. You'd be super cool. And if you want to be super cool, you just need to rate, review and subscribe. Bloop, bloop. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't do it, you're not super cool. <laughs> right. Let's do it. Stay safe, guys. Don't kill people. And keep it weird. Bye. 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 Is it all... I can't speak. Who's eating? All I can hear is... Yeah, but it was a real light. Are you eating a pot noodle? No, I just got up and tried to pick up some chocolate really quietly. No, you went... (laughs) I haven't even put it in my mouth yet. No, I definitely heard mouth speaking. Yeah, I burped. I burped. I burped. That was like a cartoon eating. No, I tell you what, I haven't. I was had like. Any- <laughs>